The Radio Fam Podcast. TheRadioFam.com. All right, Radio Fam, welcome to Season 3, Episode 12. I cannot believe Christmas is two days away. I am just, yeah, that is, I know everybody's saying that, but holy shit, it really does not feel like, I don't know. Anyway, this episode is um, another one from the Breaking the Ceiling series that um, took place back in February of 2021, uh, hosted by Jay Bell. This episode is uh, featuring Rick Party. Um, uh, first of all, he's so lovely to listen to because obviously he's a big voiceover guy. So I'm um, listening to him tell this story. You know, if you just love uh, a good storyteller, uh, you know, with a nice, soothing voice, you're just going to really enjoy this episode. Because, man, while I was editing it, I was like, oh, man, he is so pleasant to listen to. <laughs> no, and it's great. Rick Party has been around for a long time. He's been in, in, in the industry for a really long time and um, has, you know, has great insight. And I love that he's seems to have like stayed fresh on it too you know um and not only that but then using his skills his talents to then educate other people um so i definitely if you're not following him already you go to rickparty.com and it'll have all his like you know social media and all that but he's one to you know offer like um you know was big doing like the clubhouse rooms and then like um you know he's got a youtube channel uh, between his social media like like twitter um, Instagram, all that. He's just the type to offer education and help to people, um, not only just in the radio industry, but like, you know, help with voiceover and all that. So if you're anybody that wants to just, you know, continue, continue your education, uh, through, you know, other peers in the industry through the mentorship that they can offer, uh, definitely. Yeah. Like I said, just go to rickparty.com and I'll have all his information right there. So, um, Happy holidays, everybody, and thank you for um, being a part of this podcast and um, listening every week, and if if you're one of those people that listens every week, I see you and I appreciate you. Um, Yeah, so uh, I'll let uh, J-Bell and Rick Party take it away. Thanks. When it comes to voiceover, it's not really all about the voice. It's about um, selling the product or promoting the product. So when I understand what voiceover really is, you know, after years of being in it and taking uh, classes with some great coaches, um, I wanted to share that with radio people because oftentimes we believe that since we're um, since we have access to a microphone in a production room and we've we've read commercials, um, I found out for myself without experience, we really don't know what we're doing. I found out by actually going to a school and reading a commercial. And the guy said, are you a radio guy? And I said, yeah. I said, how can you tell? I said, you sound like a radio guy. We don't want you to sound like that. So um, they, taught, they taught us how to, to sound like a, a human being, you know, just ourselves. And sometimes we don't like ourselves. We like our fake voices. So I learned to love my fake voice. And they helped, you know, they helped me find my real voice because sometimes it's required for a commercial. It's required for maybe an, uh, a character spot. Um, it's required for a narration where you're telling a story. I mean, there are different genres in voiceover, and that's something that we had to learn and find out. And the hardest part of them all is that you have to choose which one you want to do first and stick to that one and learn that. Because if you're doing every, if you're the jack of all trades, you become the master of nothing at all. So I had to become the master of what was best for me. What did I really want to do? I want to do radio imaging, right? So I learned radio imaging and I stuck to that. And before you know it, I was blessed with a whole bunch of stations that I'm voicing now, you know, from WHUR in DC to 
um, stationed in Toronto, Las Vegas, Nashville. I've voiced WBLS at one point. I was a voice of K-Day. I was voice of uh, stations in Chicago. So 106.3, you know, so I've been in, my voice has been in every major market um, in the country, uh, still is today. And to be able to do that, it's just a complete blessing. It's a complete blessing. And now that I'm on ESPN, um, heard uh, by millions around the world, man, God keep me around for some reason. <laughs> so with that, that's why... I say if that young kid who got kicked out of school can become a syndicated host, can work in New York City, have a billboard, right? Right. And can be the voice of BET and ESPN and every other thing that I did, I'm going to share it with you and show you how I did it. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. Wow, I love telling a story. I was about 15, 16 years old. I would call the radio station in Chicago every day, making dedications to my then girlfriend who was in school while I wasn't in school. And I called the radio station so much. It was WBMX in Chicago. The radio personality picking up the phone on the other end was the one and only Earl Boston. And he called me. I mean, he said to me, he said, why are you calling me every single day? And I said, I'm sick. He said, man, don't give me that. Tell the truth. And I said, I got kicked out of school. He said, no, what what happened? And well, living in Chicago, gang problems existed then as they do today. And I just didn't want to go to school. And plus, my mother was an educator. She was going to school every day. You know, she stayed on us about homework. I was sick and tired of doing homework. I, I just sick and tired of the, the gang problems. So when my mother would leave for school. You know, I would make her think that, you know, I was gone. So I'd probably uh, hide in a room somewhere. So she'd leave and I'd stay home. And uh one day when I went to, this is high school too. One day I went to school and um, the history teacher said, um, he was calling names, but he didn't recognize me. He said, who are you? I said, I'm, you know, I'm Rick. He said, oh yeah, you've been, you've been um, expelled a long time ago. Then my father had to come up and that's when I started making dedications on the radio station. So Earl would um, say to me, you know, man, listen, you have to get back into school. So I did. And not only that, by this man taking the time talking to me, I wanted to be just like him. So I enrolled into the, uh, I enrolled into the uh, Columbia School of Broadcasting in Chicago. And at the same time, there was an opening at a local radio station for kids called uh, WCYC 90.5. It was a, a 10 watt station that covered a mile radius of the radio station. And it was for kids. So the, the Boys and Girls Club owned this and they gave kids an opportunity to be on it. So me working on this station and also um, um, going to the Columbia School of Broadcasting, that helped excel my career. So not only was I a great host at the school, you know, with some accelerated experience, I became the school's program director at, the, at a teenager. And so I, I'm thinking in my mind, I should be on the, on the air in Chicago on the big radio station. I was just a kid. Well, I started sending, sending my audition tapes out in 86 or 87. In 87, I sent it out to everybody. And in 88, I got a call back uh, from a station in Wilmington, Wilmington, North Carolina. It was called WBMS 1340. It was an AM station. And I was about 18, 19 years old. I was 19 years old. It's an overnight slot, Janelle. So it's like, it's like late at night, but that they had me on the air. It's like a real radio station that everybody in my mind could hear me in Wilmington. And it was a popular radio station. So I'm 19 years old with this voice. 
you know, 1340 WBMS, this is uh, this is Zurich, because my real name is Zurich, right? right. So Zurich Giron, I was using my first and middle name. This is Zurich Giron on the radio on 1340 WBMS. I had this whole big voice coming from this kid, and we were taught, you know, to, to be professional. That was a thing, you know, because um, I've been listening to, to Earl Boston and Tom Joyner and Doug Banks. They were all local. This is before syndicated existed. Doug and Tom were on WGCI. So my goal in my mind, Janelle, was to get back to WGCI. So this is 88. So from 88, um, I worked in Make, uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Two months after that, I went to Macon, Georgia, to a station called Foxy 100. Almost a year later, not quite a year, I went to Charleston, South Carolina, to WMGL uh, Magic 101.7. And then on to um, Norfolk, Virginia, Wowie 103 Jams in 89. After that, I went to 100.3 jams in Dallas. So I'm climbing up, right? Right. So remember from Wilmington now to Dallas, Texas, and I'm probably what, 21, 22, something like that. So I'm in Dallas, Texas now doing the night show. And and by this time I'm doing, these are all afternoons or nights, stuff like that. High ratings, young kid, you know, you know, going to high schools and colleges and, you know, everybody's listening to the night show. The only, you know, you, you didn't have CD, you didn't have CDs and you didn't have social media. So now I'm in Dallas and I get a call to work in Miami. So Hot 105 in Miami called me in 1990. So I did the afternoon show there and then the night show there. And then after that, after working all of these stations from 88 to, uh, 90, 91, after a year in Miami, I get the call from, no, actually it was 1992. I get the call from WGCI. So four years traveling, right? Mm -hmm. This is my college. This is my university. All of these radio stations. WGCI calls me in 1992 and, and said they have an opening. And I remember in Miami, I was probably, I was making $38,000 a year. That was the salary. Uh, for my afternoon show. And they had gone through a few formats and Elroy Smith called me. He said, we have an opening to work at WGCI. And they said, well, what would it take to get you here? And a friend of mine, Chio, um, um, Chio the Hitman was working in San Diego and Key 106 at the time. We came up together. He said he made $50,000 working at Z100 in New York. And I, and Elroy asked me, what do I want? I said, I want $50,000 to come to Chicago. And he said, well, we can't give you that. So I sent a demo and a video demo and the GM general manager saw it and he said, man, I got your videotape and I, and this is most incredible thing that that I've ever seen. Um, and I loved your audio demo. Uh, you want $50,000 and I saw you in the, uh, the video. So bring your ugly ass to Chicago. We're going to pay you. So, (laughs) and that was it. So four years in a row, I was back home in Chicago, dream come true, hometown, hometown boy made good. Now I'm on the radio on WGCI. Um, Doug Banks in the morning, Tom Joyner in the afternoons, and me at nighttime. Rick Party made it home. When you're talking about your 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 story and you get to WGCI and you're doing nights, at the height of that, you decided to go into the VO world. And it wasn't even that. It wasn't even at that time. Actually, at GCI, spending four hours, uh, four uh, four years at GCI, I then went to Atlanta to V103 in 1996 to do afternoon for two years killed it there in the ratings and then i was doing afternoons after killing it there gci called me back to do afternoons 
And then after two years in Chicago, for whatever reason, they let me go. The ratings were great. It, it was even in the headlines of Chicago Sun-Times. You know, WGCI is number one. WGCI is at top with Rick Party at number one. And it made no sense why they let me go. But it was a budget cut, I found out much later. And probably some, just some other differences. But, you know, it is what it is. It's a learning lesson. Then I worked at the Top 40 station, which was KISS FM in Chicago for two years, which was still owned by iHeart. So when GCI had to let me go, they still had to pay me out. But they said, listen, we're going to move you to our other property, the top 40 station, so you can start that. So I was their first hire in the afternoon show. I was there for two years. And then Miami called me back to do morning, to do afternoons at 99 Jams. After six months doing afternoons at 99 Jams, they moved me to mornings. After a year of doing mornings in Miami at 99 Jams, uh, WBLS in New York called me to do mornings. And then after my short stint at WBLS, the Rick Party Morning Show in New York City, right? Uh Billboards and everything. And here's something, Janelle, like when I was younger, like, you know, the dream is like to see your face on billboards, right? Mm -hmm. I said, man, if I can have that in my own city of Chicago and never have to happen in any other city, but it happened in the number one market in the world, the most respected urban radio station in, in that in the big market is WBLS, the home of Frankie Crocker and some of the great personalities ever. I was hired to be the morning man at the same station Wendy Williams was doing afternoons. The kid who got kicked out of school. My experience was Mm short-lived, but I had a morning show and I had billboards all over New York City. And that was was a dream come true. And it was when... um, when that experience is over, that's when BET called me and said they needed a voiceover for a promo. And they got it back within five minutes. I was like, we just sent it to you. I was like, that's how I do it. You send it to me, I'm sending it right back. And that that um, created a nine-year relationship as me as the voice of BET. And that's where I could say, as far as uh, nationwide, where people hurt me on television, that was my biggest client. I had already done radio imaging on a few stations here and there, but that was really what kicked it off. And so you're doing this and you're very successful in it. You decided right. to go back into radio. Why, why did you decide to go back into radio instead of just sticking with doing VO work for the rest of your career? You know, the funny thing is, check this out. For nine years, I was minding my own business, right? right. Michael Baisden was he didn't want to sign his contract. So he wanted more money or something, whatever it was. So the guy who was the vice president of programming for Tom Joyner's company, Reach Media, he was my program director in Miami years ago. My The first time I was in Miami, not the not the third time I'm, I was in Miami. Remember, I was there for three times. And I, no, he comes a third time. I didn't even introduce that yet. So for nine years, I was just chilling. And they needed someone to replace Michael Baisden because he was not going to sign. Mm -hmm. And they said, my old program director called me, said, I'm the new VP of programming for Reach Media, Tom Joyner's company. Michael Baisden is not going to sign. Would you be interested? I'm looking at the phone like, first of all, is this a, is this, am I being pranked or something? (laughs) Like I've been out of radio for nine years. Y'all calling me to replace Michael Baisden, a syndicated show? Like for real, like this has got to, this has got to be unreal. But, and, but there was a part of me that felt like, well, you know, I have paid my dues in this business. Mm -hmm. 
So for them to call me, nobody should be surprised. But I just couldn't believe that it was really happening like that. So I said, yeah, man, I, I want it. I'm interested. And I knew I could do it, even though I hadn't been in radio for nine years. It's, it's just, it's all I knew how to do. Right. And um, so he flew down from DC. I picked him up from the Miami airport. And cause I was, you know, I was back in Miami by this time. And um, cause I always kept a, a place there. My, my family was, 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 was there now. Mm-hmm. And so I picked him up and we drove down to David Cantor's house. David Cantor is the guy who runs reach media now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we drove to his house in, uh, in Florida near Fort Myers. So we drove to this man's house on the beach, biggest football field in my mind, right? Yeah. In my mind, sitting on stilts. So he meets me. He said, I've heard a lot of great things about you. The industry says, um, you're the person to replace the Michael Bazin show. And I wanted to meet you. And if we can um, do this, would you be able to start on Monday? And I said, yeah. He said, we would go with um, Jasmine Saunders as your co-host and Guy Black as the producer. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to be syndicated. I'm going to be all on all these radio stations, but I'm voicing a lot of radio stations. So what does that mean if I'm the voice of some of these stations and their competitors? So I have to get rid of them. So I said to them, hey, here's the problem. I voice a lot of stations. So for me to drop them, um, I'm going to have to have this type of salary to supplement that. So I said, this is how much I want. And they're like, no problem. But you're going, we have to evaluate you. And I said, well, what does that mean? Well, we're going to see how you're doing. I said, well, I need a, a no cut deal. Uh, and they could not promise me that. It was kind of like one of those things where, where the guy Hector who brought me in said, um, I don't think they're going to go for it. Um, because this is just the way they do things. And I said, well, that's the way I got to have it because I can't take on a job and 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 it doesn't last, but now I don't have these stations anymore. So I'll be out. So the station in Miami um said, hey, if that deal doesn't work out, we have a job for you here at Hot 105 to do afternoons. This is your third stint. In it's my third time now. Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, that's not promised. Miami said I could be, I could be at home because Miami had become my my second home now. Mm-hmm. So I can be here for life. Uh, that syndicated job, they couldn't agree on that. I said, okay, um, well, well, thank you. Um, I'm going to go here, go to Miami, take this job. And I became the, the host at hot one Oh five for five years. Your story is one of self-worth because of the fact that you're able to demand these salaries because you have something to bring to the table. Ultimately you decided to walk away outside of the contract negotiations. Why, why did you decide to walk away from having this huge show? I mean, you, were number one. I mean, you had it going on and you had voiceover and all this other stuff. Like, why did you decide to walk away from it all? Because I think in my heart of all hearts, you know, I knew my worth and I knew every time the, the thought of syndication on urban AC came about. And even when I was younger, my name was always in the conversation. If it wasn't Rick party, it was Frank ski and a few other people. Then it just kind of dwindled down to Rick party and Frank ski. So our names were always there. And I, I, th- I think a lot of it has to do with the, the, the class of radio that we come, that we come from. Um, we, we preserved radio. And I think that's what the industry 
um, really respected about us. We preserved that, that, that style of radio. And we knew when to turn it on and turn it off when it comes to um, the genres of music, when it comes to families, you know, when to shut up, when not to shut up. We just respected the listening audience. And we understood the business of, of radio, which people, most people don't understand today. They think it's really all about them. Um, that, that, had, that kept me lasting power. And, and with everything that I'd gone through, um, the station said, you know, more than likely when Tom Joyner retires, that you'll be the morning man. So, you know, I'm, I'm you know, five years, I'm sticking in and I'm like, I'm going to be the morning man. And word was that Tom Joyner was going to, um, that not Tom, but they were going to give it to Ricky Smiley because, you know, Tom lost the company, you know, you know, it's a whole nother story. And so the people said to, to, you know, to Tom, or they didn't, didn't have to say anything to Tom, but this is going to be, this is going to be the, the end of the rope. And they couldn't pay Tom any more money. So Tom will say, he was like, okay, well, this is it for me. I don't, you know, I'm Tom Jordan. I shouldn't have to really beg for more money. You should know to give it to me. And they wanted to go in a different direction. So they decided to go with Ricky Smiley. Uh, Ricky Smiley is by far a more popular person than a, a lot of people. I mean, he's, um, you know, he has celebrity status. I mean, he's very funny um, and people, you know, people like that. So it only makes sense business-wise. You've got a person who has uh, millions of follow- followers. He's popular, you know, around the world in uh, the comedy circuit. And this, here's the thing, when it comes to radio, um, it's about business. Um, if the client knows Ricky Smiley, and they're a fan of Ricky Smiley, they're going to want to spend money on the radio station. No offense to you, Rick Party. I mean, we're not saying you're, you're not good, but more people know Rick's, Ricky Smiley. And that means money for us. And uh, that made sense. So they couldn't give me the afternoon show. And I didn't want to continue doing afternoons. I mean, they couldn't give me the morning show. And I don't want to continue doing afternoons forever. So I said, um, Guys, you know, I, I think I'm going to walk this out. I didn't have anything waiting for me. I still have my radio imaging stuff. I'm still doing stuff for ESPN and a bunch of radio stations. Mm-hmm. But I still love radio. And I literally didn't sign that that um, contract. And they had a lot of money on the table. And they were like, do you know how much money this is? Do you know, like, if you add this up for all, we're giving you a multi-year deal. And if you know how much money that is over three years? But in my mind... The 12, the, the young kid who got kicked out of high school saw himself being syndicated. And that's all I kept my eyes on. So I walked out on faith and I said, um, I'm just going to thank you guys, but I'm going to go this route. God, ha- God didn't fail me. He's never failed me. I don't know. It's like I'm a cat with like nine lives. It's like like <laughs> if I get let go from a job or if anything happens, it's like somebody scoops me up like that or I find something to do mm-hmm. to fill in the blanks. And always in my mind, that's how it's always been with me. While I always always had a job, I was always looking for a job or or thinking of something creative to do. That's just a part of my DNA. So when I walked away from that, um, in the midst of that, Sasha, the diva who worked at Kiss 104, you know, she had been in the business and she said, Rick, have you ever thought about doing syndication? I'm like, have I thought about it? I've been at the door many times. People wanted me to do it. I'm like, you have no idea. She said, how would you like to do a syndicated show? I said, I mean, I would love to. That's the goal. And she's like, well, what do we do? I said, well, we make a demo. Um, 
like we're on the radio together. So she being in Atlanta, me being in Miami, we made a, a demo through modern technology. As a fact, you can make a demo here on a Zoom, for example. But the Zooms didn't really exist like that. Not like that. At least we didn't really know how clear it could sound. Um, but we used another technology, Skype. And I EQ'd it to make it sound like as if we were in one room together. I um, had the demo. Gary Bernstein, who was the agent for the Ricky Smiley show and manager at one time, he, he really put that show out there. Gary was coming to town and he said, um, hey, let's meet in Miami. Um, uh, let's just go out for lunch. So we sat for lunch and he said, um, Rick, what have you been up to? I said, funny you, funny you ask, take a listen to this demo. And he said, I like this. He go, who's this? He said, Sasha, the diva. I said, I've heard of her. He said, she's a kiss one four. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is good, Rick. This is really good. I, I could shop this. You, you guys can be syndicated. I'm like, well, shop it, do your magic. So <laughs> Now, come on, man, you're making this promise, make it happen on talk, you know, say less, you know, so he, he sent it out to, you know, everybody from Super Radio to ABC and all these other places and Westwood one bit after four months traveling back and forth to New York, Sasha sneaking away from her, the job that she had in Atlanta, she was taking days off saying she was sick or whatever, <laughs> but she was flying away to New York and all these other cities to meet with these people to shop a deal. And after all this traveling, five months, they called us back and said, we're going to sign the Rick and Sasha show to a nationally syndicated deal. And it was like, wow. That kid made it to syndication, man. How different is being syndicated than being local in the market? That's part one of my question. And then mm -hmm. part two is, do you have a lot more control over your show being syndicated? Um, yeah. Um, we have autonomy on the show. Um, as far as music, we, we don't, we really don't care. We trust, um, the team, uh, who picks the music, mm -hmm. but as far as creatively, there are three of us, there's me, Sasha and George Wilborn, who was recently added to the show. And George comes from the Michael Bazin, Bazin show, ironically. I remember him. <laughs> so, uh, that, that brings, um, a whole level of expertise, someone who's actually been in syndication and who knows how to bring the funny and Sasha just is, she's just as real as she can be. So what we do is we just bring us to the table mm -hmm. and uh, we just make it work. You know, me with my, with my style of radio, uh, the old school uh, original style of radio. That's what I bring uh, Sasha with her. Just, I'm just Sasha, take it or leave it. And George is bringing his George Wilborn It's funny. And we just learn to gel together. Uh, having a team like that and people who are, have been a, at the top of the game, it's not always an easy thing to do. And it was kind of rough in the beginning, but now it's like, we just move in. It's like, um, you learn how to allow people to be creative and respect what they bring and just sit back and see, you know, Hey, if it works and if it works, get that check, you know, stop complaining, you know? So <laughs> that was me like, you know, like I'm Rick party. I'm Sasha Deep. I'm George Wilborn, you know? We all the bosses on this show. We all bosses. So that's the problem with people. They don't know how to work together. And sometimes people let their egos get in the way and not understand that you have one common goal here. Goal here. So how do you guys really balance it out to make sure that everybody's personality shines without overshadowing each other? Well, we, we understand what our roles are. I'm, you know, I'm the quarterback. Um, I kind of set up the play. I throw the passes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a funny dude too. And George found that out, you know, that he's not the only comedian, you know, cause we have fun, but I don't try to be the comedian. I'm just, um, um, I'm a radio dude. Um, quirky sometimes a quirky, however you say it. Right. Um, I'm that dude. I have a dry humor sometimes. Like I have like, like I can be talking to you, but it's like, kind of like, it's a little like a sneak up joke, you know? <laughs> They'd be like, did he just say that? He'd be like, yeah, he just said that. You know, that's a Rick. He's like, he he fifty something years old, so it's like, you know, you're not gonna know what's coming out of his mouth. So it's like, just 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 understand this. Him. So sometimes I say stuff, and I just have George just like really cracking up because he gets my my dry humor. And but what happens here is that I may open the up the break. It's Rick and Sasha, George Wilborn, and did y'all hear? See, here's the thing. When you work with someone for so long, Sasha hears when I'm throwing a pass at her. I never have to say, Sasha, after I say this, this is where you come in. No. I said, did you hear what happened to uh, Joe Biden? And she said, she'll come in, child. She starts talking. She'll take the ball and run, right? And she'll start doing her thing. And then I'll pop in where I need to pop in. But Sasha, you know, check this out. And then she's like, what? And then I start saying my thing. And then we're timing it out. We know how much time we have to get it across. Mm. And, and we learn to respect one another. I learned to, res- we learn not to cut off each other when we're making a point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've learned to uh, let Sasha, not let Sasha speak. I learned to step out of the way, mm-hmm. you know, when the lady speaks, because the demographic, you know, um, women 35, 44. So um, women want to hear more from a woman sometimes, uh, actually a lot more and, but they want to hear good conversation. So we've learned to, to do that. And then with George being a radio vet, he knows how not to just be funny, but he, he's also serious when there are serious topics. But when we're having fun, sometimes I may throw something at Jordan. It's like, it's, I call it like a slow pitch and he knows it's coming. So like, if we're, if we're, talking about Donald Trump and like, for example, we're saying Donald Trump, he actually came into the Capitol house when those people were riding and, but people don't know this, but when, when Donald Trump walked into that room, he looked at all of them and he's and George, he said to them and George is thinking like, what am I going to say? You know? So George, he said to them, okay, all of you, you're going to have to get out of here. So, so whatever it is, George already has it set up in his mind. So, <laughs> so, and it's going to be funny, whatever it is. And we're right into that drop, the Rick and Sasha morning show, the jingle, whatever it is. So you and guys, it, we, the yeah. chemistry is like, the chemistry point. is like at some point, um, I create better when I get rest, when I get to stay home, I don't like to do nothing at all. So when I had the syndicated show, you have to go visit all of these markets that you're now on, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine they want you in New York City. They want you in Columbia, South Carolina. They want you in Kansas City. They want you in New Orleans. So you go home, you try to get a little rest, and then you may have a meeting at a conference somewhere. and You got to hop on the plane. So it's kind of like, and then worst of all, you got to wake up at four o'clock Eastern time in the morning to start a 6 a.m. show. And then it's even really worse when you're getting home late on a Sunday, you got about four hours of sleep because you, you, you got home at midnight and you got to wake up four hours. It was just, it was too taxing. It was too much in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but now during the pandemic, um, 
the body and the mind requires requires rest for it to grow. So if people are partying all the time and they drinking, like with exercise and, and everything, people understand that the, the body needs one thing after, after a person exercises, right? It needs to rest. So you can't keep moving around, doing all these things, expecting for your body to do what it's supposed to do. And you can't expect your mind to think clearly if you're not getting any sleep. So when I got sleep, I was able to create and I was, I was invigorated again. I was able to be creative again. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that technology, you know, I'm all over technology. absolutely love it. So that's why it was so easy for me to, to do some of the things I was doing in the pandemic, which I think to me, in all honesty, made the show sound a whole lot greater because we were sleeping. We were allowed to be creative rather than being cranky in the morning and, you know, trying to hit each other with pillows, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the one thing that you believe young black personalities uh, should know or should understand as they get into this crazy world of radio? Mm -hmm. It ain't all glitz and glam. We we know this. We know also that we don't get into this for the money, but for the love of it. And for someone at at your your caliber, Mm -hmm. you have a lot to share. Right. So can you share some words of wisdom for, for us young cats? My thing is first understand that Radio is a business and you are the product. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're making millions of dollars off you, uh, your image, your talent, and your knowledge that this is a business. And if you understand first that it's not about you and how good you are, your job is to sell their main product, which are commercials. Mm-hmm. You have to help sell that. And not only that, you have to help bring business into the radio station. Um, understand the word yes. Uh, when they want you to do extra things, if you really want to make it, they want you to, to make an appearance. Um, be, make yourself available. This is how I got the jobs at BET and ESPN. Uh, it wasn't all about talent. Uh, it was a fact that they can rely on me. It was a fact that when they sent me a commercial at 2.30, and if I saw it at 2.30, I'm going to start working on it at 2.31 if I don't have something else. So when you can turn stuff around, you're good for their business. Because guess what? For a, a company like any radio station, it helps them look good when you're giving them quality work um, and you're helping them sell their product. And that's what it that's what it that's what it truly boils down to. It is not N-O-T about you. It's not. It's about the radio station. Shop Radio Fam Apparel, Home Studio Decor, Radio Gifts, and more at the RadioFam.com.